I'd like to call to order the City of Champaign City Council study session for June 13th, 2023. Madam Mayor, I move that we approve the minutes of May 16th, 2023 regular council meeting, May 16th, 2023 post-council study session, May 15th, 2023 community civic event minutes farewell celebration for citizens review subcommittee members and May 17th, 2023 community civic event minutes Champaign Police Department employee awards ceremony. Second. Is there any discussion? All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed, okay. same sign. Motion carries. I think I'm turning it over to you, TJ. That works. Thank you, Mayor. Good evening, Council. I am happy to be joined today with, uh, by Xander Hazel, the Executive Director of the Champaign Center Partnership. And just for a little bit of setting the table and a little bit of background, um, the Champaign Center Partnership is one of, our, one of several community partners that, from an economic development standpoint, are critical to helping us fulfill our goals as a city. And so we oftentimes turn to those partners, the Champaign Center Partnership, the Economic Development Corporation, 40 North, Experience, Champaign-Urbana, um, are, are direct community partners that we also help fund. And they, in turn, help us um, achieve the goals that you set forward. Um, and so we are in the just finishing the first year of a three-year funding agreement with the partnership. And as part of that, each year we invite uh, the director to come and give an update on their activities, um, make sure to provide council with the opportunity to ask any questions, and uh, give them a chance to showcase some of the work that they're doing. So with that, I will turn it over to Xander Hazel. Uh, thank you, TJ, and uh, thank you, City Council, for having me speak uh, here tonight. Uh, the, the Champaign Center Partnership is a nonprofit association of businesses and organizations operating in Champaign's core commercial districts of downtown, midtown, and campus town. With an eastern boundary of Wright Street and western boundary of State Street or Westside Park, as well as going up north past Columbia Street and sort of down south uh, to Green Street and even a little bit beyond here in our campus town district. Uh, the Champaign Center Partnership, which I'm going to refer to as the CCP or the Partnership, uh, was formed in 2010 through a merger of the former Downtown Business Association and Campus Town Merchants Group. Today we serve as the voice and advocate for the districts and our partner businesses. Our job is to give life to innovative ideas and creative solutions for a better core community, and we continuously strive to build strong connections and partnerships that enrich Champaign Center through activations, events, placemaking, and promotion. We are supported by membership dues, grants from the City of Champaign, and corporate sponsorship for events and operations. Generally, the work that we do accomplishes three objectives. First, we support and advocate for small businesses, and we provide them with resources in marketing and promotion and access to information and education. For example, we get to tell the small business stories of our members, like of Magali and Lionel from La Bahia Grill, who opened their Nayarit-inspired Mexican restaurant here in downtown Champaign in late 2021. We also get to connect businesses and organizations and residents to encourage a sense of community and belonging. 
We do this through social events at our member businesses and digital storytelling. Our networking events, uh, including our morning meetups and others, are opportunities for businesses to meet one another, solve problems, and promote each other. Third, we enhance our core districts through collaborative events uh, and place making and place management. For example, we are able to transform downtown into what I call holiday headquarters by kicking off the holiday season with our Parade of Lights and then executing our shop local promotional campaigns. We also organize a holiday market, visits with Santa at the Virginia Theater, horse and carriage rides, and many more uh, offerings. All of this work is possible by our staff, our board of directors, committees, and volunteers. Our board of directors shown here are elected by the membership and represent each of the three core commercial neighborhoods, as well as the businesses and organizations found in each of the districts. The City of Champaign and Champaign Park District appoint directors as per our agreement with the City of Champaign. I want to also take a moment to recognize Eric Ria, who is the current chair of the board and has served on the board for two three-year terms and has been chair since 2020. Today was actually his last board meeting. Um, he'll be rolling off the board at the end of this month. And his leadership and institutional memory has been immensely valuable to guiding the organization over the past few years. And I just want to publicly thank him for his service uh, to the Champaign Center Partnership Board. Uh, in addition to myself, I'm, I'm the only full-time employee, but we do have one part-time staff person, Jenna Manalakis, who you'll see later in the presentation. And we also have a number of volunteers that support uh, the work that we do through standing committees, as well as uh, one-off programs like our events, uh, among other things. As I mentioned before, we are a membership organization. Businesses and individuals may choose to become members. In doing so, they receive exclusive benefits and perks that fall under three main categories, marketing, networking, and information. For example, we host networking events throughout the year, like our morning meetups after and after-hour socials. And more recently, we've been hosting industry and district roundtable discussions, which are opportunities for businesses to meet each other and collaborate. Last summer, we hosted two downtown roundtables in partnership with city staff to address some of the challenges that some of our downtown social venues were facing. Businesses also have access to an assortment of exclusive marketing and advertising opportunities from social media promotion to interviews on live TV, cooperative advertising, and, and so much more. We can provide free and cost-effective advertising for businesses as a perk to their membership. Uh, for example, we have a partnership with WCIA uh, where we go on uh, nine months of the year uh, and, uh, or once a month for nine months of the year uh, and talk about things happening in our community. Um, and for the last year, we've been inviting our members uh, to be guests on the show so that viewers at home can meet our members and build relationships with them. And then third is that we provide information. Today, we publish our member-only newsletter, Inside Champagne Center, which goes out every other week, which includes upcoming events, workshops for businesses, news, business spotlights, and more. We track and distill all of the relevant information in a digestible format for the benefit of our members. We include workshops from the Business Library at Champaign Public Library and the CU Small Business Development Center, as well as all major public events that are occurring within our district so that businesses are aware in advance of heavy foot traffic days. We also run a number of promotional campaigns uh, throughout the year. Uh, the first one that I'd like to talk about is 13 Thursdays. Um, last year was the 13th annual 13 Thursdays. And how it works is that participating campus town businesses offer deals and discounts every Thursday for 13 weeks between commencement and move-in. Um, 
we provide marketing and advertising, including weekly newsletters, uh, print promotions, and digital. We also provide prize giveaways to encourage people to explore the districts. Um, for the past two years, we've also used an app to engage with participants and collect real-time data on how they are engaging with our businesses, as well as our scavenger hunt. Uh, last year, we had over 200 app users. Um, unfortunately, due to uh, declining sponsorships and business uh, participation, um, as well as considering the amount of staff time that's involved with administering a 13-week promotion, um, we've decided to discontinue this and instead focus uh, on new advertising campaigns that are inclusive to all three districts, which I'm going to talk a little bit more about. Uh, one of them, which was new last year, was our $10 and under menu. This was a pretty simple promotion, and what we did uh, was we created a menu that listed food options that were under $10 at all of our member restaurants. Uh, we designed it in-house and printed thousands of them, including uh, stickers. And at Illini Frenzy, the Friday before classes start, we distributed nearly 2,000 menus to first-year students. Um, it turns out when you ask a student if they like cheap food, the answer is overwhelmingly yes. And so this was a way for us to uh, kickstart relationships between students and our businesses in campus town and downtown. Uh, we also, uh, in the fall, worked with our small shops and retailers during our retail roundtable to discuss what we can work on collaboratively uh, during the holiday shopping season. After the discussion, we landed on a new promotion, what we are calling the Holiday Shop Hop After Hours, where retailers would be open until 8 p.m. every Thursday in December. The idea was to give shoppers an opportunity to come to the city center to shop outside of normal business hours. Unfortunately, if you remember the weather last December, the last Thursday that this was offered was a polar plunge with icy conditions, uh, December 22nd, which did impact shoppers. Um, despite that, um, and after talking with our members in January, they're very excited to again try this again in the upcoming holiday season, um, as well as working with us to offer additional holiday festivities to reinforce Champagne Center as a shopping destination. Um, and then the last one that I would like to highlight, another new promotion, is our sweets, treats, and lattes promotion. Um, if you haven't eaten dinner yet, I'm really sorry. I just want to put that out. We do have a very tasty treat uh, on display uh, from Big Grove Tavern. Um, this is part of our continued quest uh, to make Champagne Center an active uh, uh, an active community all year round. And so we launched this week-long promotion, Sweet Streets and Lattes, uh, during the week of, of uh, Valentine's Day. Um, and this was a celebration of our coffee shops, our bubble tea spots, our bakeries, and our dessert stops. Um, and it was a way to showcase all of the sweets uh, found in the city center. We included three games, like collectible stickers, uh, and a bingo-style game, and raffled off over $300 in prizes to participants who went and explored uh, the 20 different businesses that were participating in this new promotion. Um, as a result of this uh, one-week advertising campaign, um, the Sweets, Treats, and Latte web page that we have on our site, champagnecenter.com, was actually the third most uh, visited page in the past 12 months, which is one way that we, we gauge success. Um, we also do a number of placemaking and place management within the city center. Um, uh, two strategies, or two things that we do uh, in the public rights of way um, is that we maintain, install, and store all of the light pole decorations that are visible in downtown. These usually go up before the parade of lights and then come down before uh, MLK Day. 
um, and include uh, the commercial bows and garlands uh, on all the pedestrian light poles. We also work with Public Works to install our 30-foot faux fur at one main plaza, and we replace all of the ornaments as needed. Um, as is the case uh, with most things that you leave outside in Illinois, we often lose many of our decorations, but we cover the cost to replace them. Uh, this is a special public service uh, that is included in our agreement with the city of Champaign. And we are working with community groups this year to expand this service to increase cultural representation at, at one main plaza. We also uh, ma manage and maintain the kiosk maps. I do have a picture of it, but it doesn't show the map. Um, there are nine throughout our districts, as well as some at the parking deck. And this basically helps visitors uh, find the street level businesses um, throughout our districts of downtown, midtown, and campus town. Um, these place making, uh, uh, these place management uh, services that we provide are things that all businesses benefit from, not just our members. All right, I'm gonna talk a little bit about some of the events that we do to draw people into the area. The first that I'd like to discuss is the wine walk. Um, this happens now the Saturday before Easter, uh, where we coordinate the downtown Champagne wine walk. This past April was the third annual event and included 15 wine sampled at 13 participating businesses, most of which were our small shops like Golden Weather Goods uh, pictured on the, on the left of the screen. We sell 250 tickets, we curate and order wine, we recruit Bassett certified wine pourers, and we manage all other aspects of the event, including advertising. All that the businesses have to do is stay open during the event. We do this event for a few reasons. One is that it's the first event of the season and people are ready to get out of their homes. Uh, the second reason is uh, it's a holiday weekend, which means that, uh, which means that many family may be visiting Champaign-Urbana after being away. So we get to tap into the visitors that are here. It also gets people into our member businesses, giving them a chance to, giving our businesses a chance to build relationships with potential customers. In, a, in essence, we break the ice for our businesses. As a result, many ticket holders tell us that what they like most about the event is visiting businesses that they've never been to. Uh, four, we've also uh, learned that many of our participants have enjoyed being able to connect with, uh, with each other during the event. While, while the wine walk is self-guided, after you've had a few samples, you start running into the same people who are attending the event, which allows them to, to make connections and maybe even become a little bit more friendly and make friends along the way. Um, as a result, our event attendees, our businesses, and our volunteers have all expressed uh, overwhelming satisfaction with the event, and we're excited to host this event, uh, event next Easter weekend, which I believe is uh, March 30th. Uh, the last one, or another one, is our Parade of Lights. Uh, I won't spend too much time about this because it's been going on for 22 years, uh, but this is held on Small Business Saturday in downtown Champaign. This is the Saturday after Thanksgiving. This, to my knowledge, is the largest holiday event in downstate Illinois, uh, but someone can fact check me on that. Um, it attracts thousands of people to downtown to witness a lighted parade with nearly 60 floats, free activities for kids, and the lighting of the Tree of Lights at one main plaza. Um, while the partnership took over this event uh, from the Park District many years ago, uh, this event has become a tradition for locals and visiting families. Um, we also sponsor a number of events in the community. Um, 
Uh, it's important to note that our small team of one and a half full-time equivalent staff can't do everything. Uh, we can't host all of the events all year round. And so um, we often work with others. We come alongside with other organizations to support the events that are happening within the city center. Um, we try to recognize the value that others are doing, especially with events, uh, especially those that are aligned with our mission. Um, so often this looks like financial or in-kind support uh, for events like the Toast to Taylor Street last year, Welcoming Week with the New American Welcome Center, the Champagne Farmers Market, and Friday Night Live. Other times this looks uh, as if this is working with our partners to provide unique experiences together. For example, for the last two years, we've worked with 40 North and Norton Design Studio to host the Mistletoe Market in downtown, in downtown uh, which last year brought over 1,000 people to the venue CU for holiday shopping. And that means 1,000 people in downtown uh, in general. Uh, and we also work with the Champaign Park District and the Virginia Theater uh, for families to meet Santa for free uh, in December. And then we also took part uh, for the first time this past year uh, with coordinating uh, Bike Month uh, and organized the Bike to Work Day booth uh, downtown at a new location along one of the few bike paths that actually pass through downtown uh, on Clark, where Clark turns into White and Walnut and Neal, um, just a block south of here. Just recently, we announced that we'll be taking over management of Street Fest and adding a twist. Whereas in previous years, this event was simply a live music event in downtown, this year we are excited to offer a vendor space for community organizations and businesses, free family activities during the event, and a brand new pork and mac and cheese competition, which we're calling the Downtown Throwdown. Here, downtown residents uh, will be creating a special $5 pork and mac and cheese sampler dish. Judges will be going around to sample the dishes and selecting the best overall pork and best overall mac and cheese. Members of the public can purchase the dishes and vote uh, for their favorites to help us select recipients of the people's choice for both food categories. It's our hope that this free music event with new features will give visitors and residents a chance to truly explore downtown restaurants by, pro uh, by providing business exposure and rewarding culinary excellence we can support as many businesses as possible. Uh, in addition, we're hosting this event again for students uh, on campus on September 9th. Although there won't be a food competition like there, was, there will be for downtown, we will have a similar food walk uh, called Chowdown, which will give students a chance to get to know campus town businesses in a fun way. Uh, there will be live in entertainment, uh, which will be provided um, by some of the RSOs that will be, or the registered student organizations that we'll be working with. Um, this event will be for students by students with support from our campus town business community and more information will be coming about that event. So what's next for the partnership? Um, so we are also, uh, in addition to being on a, uh, the end of our first year of a three-year agreement with the City of Champaign, we're also at the end of our first year of a three-year strategic vision uh, for the organization. Um, and so we are currently seeing that, uh, that three-year plan um, uh, really establish, and we're making changes to it. When, we, when our board first um, uh, approved the strategic plan, um, it was with the acknowledgement that uh, the work that we do is rooted in the local economy. So last spring and summer when it was approved, 
you know, you have to keep in mind where, where the economy was, inflation, uh, where small businesses were. Um, and so it is a dynamic document that we are changing um, as each year goes through. Um, some of the key objectives uh, that I just want to mention real quickly uh, before I close um, include leadership development. Um, what we've come to realize is that our board, um, for most of our board members, this is the first time that they will have ever served on a board. And so we want to make sure that we're providing leadership development for them so that after they get a great experience on the board of the partnership, they can go out into the community and serve on other nonprofit boards. In addition, we're wanting to activate our current members to become leaders uh, in the community as well. And so we'll be having some new leadership uh, opportunities through committee service um, that will help guide the organization. Uh, in this coming fiscal year, we'll be having a new top issues council, a new business council, um, sorry, like new, like entrepreneurs, new business council, <laughs> which is new, uh, and a membership committee. Um, and, this, and in this, we're going to be creating a new structure to really grow leaders in our membership base and in our wider community. Uh, in addition, we want to be looking at activating uh, public spaces. Um, we've been trialing this a little bit in the past year. Uh, I have a, just a brief video that will play. Um, and we, we do this through programming and events. Uh, and the public arts. Um, uh, in, in February and March, we worked with 40 North uh, and some local artists uh, to do uh, this creative storefront projection, uh, which we called Passing Mirage, uh, in the former Distill and the former Cofusion space. And this was just uh, an opportunity for a pop-up public art program uh, that utilized a commercial space that had been vacant for several years. And we'll be looking through our community to identify similar spaces that we can do uh, pop-up cultural events throughout the year, but especially in the winter during the off-season when there's not as much going on uh, beyond uh, uh, basketball. And then the last thing is uh, uh, financial sustainability. This is something that we've been working through for our 12-year history. Diversifying revenue streams and building capacity are key to this. Um, one, of the, uh, one of the tactics that we identified was creating a 501c3 foundation where we could access grants and donations to support uh, the Champagne Center partnership. Because um, currently as a 501c6, we're not eligible for most grants. Um, additionally, uh, this includes keeping and supporting our current staff. Um, I'm, uh, in the past 12 years, we've had a high turnover in staff, but a lot of what we do relies on relationships. So being able to keep our staff on site allows us to build long-term uh, uh, relationships uh, that are fulfilling and built around trust. But you need staff to do that to really build those relationships. So supporting staff is also a part of that financial sustainability. Uh, and with that, I just wanted to say thank you for your time uh, and for allowing me to, to give you an update today. Technical questions? Anybody? I've got a couple. Um, so you were talking about your leadership development. So one of my questions is, what do you do for onboarding your new members? Uh, new business members? No, new board members. Yeah, so uh, oftentimes uh, onboarding new business members involves a conversation with myself or our board chair. Uh, uh, um, current board members are elected by the membership, um, and so there is an annual cycle that, that happens. So um, later this month, for example, we do our annual membership meeting, but there's about a two to three month process of really getting board members comfortable um, um, with uh, board responsibilities, but they do ultimately get voted 
uh, by the members. Um, and so uh, there's a lot of education that happens. And then every at the beginning of every fiscal year, we also do a lot of team building exercises in the form of socials um, uh, to really uh, 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 give them a chance to get to know one another too. Do you do any new board member orientation? Uh, we do it uh, on an individual basis, yeah. So do you have like, you know, set materials that you give to each board member yeah. and um, copies of your bylaws, things like that? Bylaws, uh, the strategic plan, just a general overview, uh, descriptions of the officer positions. Um, but I do think that there's more opportunity for growth on, on that front. Um, so what is your process for handling uh, relationships and complaints that might arise if you've got members who need access to the city what do you have kind of a written process for how you might handle something like that uh, we do not have a written process um, it really just depends uh, uh, oftentimes it, it really just depends on the nature of, of uh, the complaint um, or the issue that is brought up um, if it's looking for assistance with with uh, you know patio permits, things like that, that's a pretty easy thing to punt to TJ. Um, for other more serious issues, there's not really a, a formal process, um, but it is, I will say that it is a, a definitely a balancing act for staff uh, uh, to navigate um, sort of uh, the mediation, I guess, between businesses and city services. Do you have? Um regular standing meetings with city staff? Uh, they happen regularly, but not as, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. We don't have a regular standing meeting where he comes in once a month, but we communicate regularly as needed. Um, do you, like as we're leading up to summer months, so that's usually a very busy time downtown, is there any, do we have any specific things that we like do we have set meetings that we try to you know before the patio permits go out or things like that are we proactively meeting and being in touch with each other uh when it comes to outdoor cafes no uh the partnership hasn't really had a part of that process it's pretty much the people who have had them renew them and there's not much conversation around that um I think the a good example was the meeting that uh, police held in partnership with the partnership to bring our businesses together to talk about the plans for this summer's activities, what we were projecting, what steps the city was taking to try to curb some of the issues we've had. So that was a good example of working collaboratively to bring those partners together and have that conversation with the broader business group. Um, okay, I'll save the rest for my comments. Is there anyone in the audience who wishes to address this? No? Council comment. Council Member Fulmer. I'm sorry, I probably should have asked this during questions. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm curious if, uh, if you can tell us about, like, what other cities similar size do and what that looks like. I think I asked this last year, but um, I still kind of struggle to understand the differentiation between VCC and CCP. I mean, I think there's 
a lot of potential for overlap. Um, so, uh, so ha have you looked at other cities? Um, how do we compare? What you know? What what does that look like? Um, and and I'm certainly happy to meet with you at another time to talk. Are you okay with addressing that now? Okay. Yeah. So uh, it really just depends on the size of the city. Um, I think. Uh, in Illinois, uh, sort of main street organizations like ours are pretty common, um, but you also have special service areas that are a little bit different uh, in terms of how they're funded and how they're uh, led. Um, in much larger cities, you have what's known as business improvement districts or community improvement districts. Um, and uh, you see them taking on a more of a place management uh, 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 type of um, uh, work plan, everything from ambassador programs in, the, in their downtown area to street cleaning, trash uh, cleaning. And so it basically it adds an extra efficiency to city services. And those are funded uh, through business or community improvement districts. Or in Canada, they're called business improvement areas. Um, membership organizations are also quite common. Um, uh, other smaller uh, smaller towns or mid-sized towns uh, do have um, uh, membership organizations that are supported in part by the city as well as private contributions. Um, but I don't have a sense of what everyone is doing in terms of that breakdown. But there, it really just comes down to how it's funded. I was just going to say, that wasn't really your question, was it? It was well, the work plan? Yeah, I'm, yes. And, and I, I'm, also, I'm also a little bit curious, like, you know, are, are do other cities have a team of 40 people doing this like like how do we compare in, in terms of, of that um, you know you mentioned a, a person and a half and so uh, I think we're looking at a person and uh, so so you know I I, I am curious what um, what it, it maybe could look like um, um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's sort of the direction of, of council in terms of uh, uh, what it could look like. Um, you know, we've had a long history uh, of having, I think, a downtown business association before the partnership that was all privately funded, um, and they did small business promotion, um, and so we get a little bit of that, too. Um, uh, but, you know, staffing varies, you know. Downtown, um, downtown uh, Iowa City, I think they have a staff of six full-time em employees. Sometimes they're working on uh, small business recruitment. Sometimes they're working on um, incubators, uh, things like that. So, um, but it is all within the realm of economic development. Councilmember Beck. Yeah, so just to clarify, though, in, in that case, though, the downtown organization, is it a standalone organization or are those employees of the city? Uh, I believe they are not employees of the city, but I can definitely double check and, and share information. Mm -hmm. And so does the city do any of those activities outside? Like small business no. promotion? Mm -hmm. Or small business promotion and other economic development activities? I'm not too sure. I can look into it, though. Yeah. Anyone else? Anyone else have any other comments? We kind of got off. No, you're okay. Got off track. <laughs> Councilmember Fianfetti. Thank you, Your Honor. Um, and thank you for the presentation. I, I guess um, for my comments, 
I appreciate the work that the partnership is doing. For me, I'm having a hard time separating out the events and the um, activities that you're talking about and the actual return on investments for the membership. So for me, what I really need to hear more about is when members are um, becoming part of the partnership, you know, what more, I, I understand you're doing advertising and you're um, doing these morning meetups and having these opportunities, but what are they getting in return? Um, you know, for example, with a wine walk, was there an increase in their revenue or, or are there are there metrics that you are keeping that are showing these are events that we should be doing? Um, you know, for me, I, I'm hearing you say, you know, we're increasing, um, you know, we keep the garland, we have the 30-foot um, tree, we're, we're going to be more inclusive with our holiday decorations, which I, I think is great. I'm glad you're doing that. Um, but for the Parade of Lights, and I'm not suggesting that we do not do that, but are there activities that we should be supplementing in addition to what you are doing to ensure that the small businesses are, that people are actually giving dollars to the businesses as opposed to coming and seeing the parade in which you are investing a lot of time in and then nobody is really giving dollars to the businesses. Like that's what I, 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 I saw a lot of things being done but I'm not sure what is coming back and that's that's what I I don't know if I'm I'm missing that or that could be for similar to council member Fulmer I'm happy to have a further conversation but that's that's to me what's significant and maybe what you also were getting at because everything while I know it may be at the direction of the council without information like that it, I could go the other way too and say we could blend it into all of these other organization because in your responses you did say I mean you talked about work that EDC does you talk about work that um, uh, experience uh, champagne Urbana does there there are other things that you do I want to know what makes you stand alone aside from the area that you cover that to me is what makes it critical so those are my comments anybody else Hey, Councilmember Beck. Yeah, I just have a final comment. Thanks for coming and letting us know. I know people really do enjoy a lot of the events that you all help to make happen in downtown, and the Parade of Lights is definitely among those that we participate in, and we certainly enjoy being a part of that. Um, and other city staff participate with their own floats. So, um, and you know, I think that there's a lot of great opportunity for um, promotion of businesses in the three areas that you are um, trying to uplift and uh, my, my one my one question my one concern as I'm looking at this um, plan is you had a I'm trying to find exactly where it is in my thing here so I'm kind of shifting back and forth um, the strategic vision that was put together um, so you know I'm kind of looking at the key objectives for the 24 and 25 timeline. And, you know, I'm, I'm seeing, like, create and implement a community vision action plan with residents and stakeholders. And I think that's a worthy 
endeavor, but um, not maybe entirely within the purview of the organization. Like it seems like it's something that would be done in consideration of what the larger city plan might be, um, particularly since we're the major funding partner in this. So I certainly think it's a, it's that is an example of what I'm looking at in the strategic plan. And so I'm, I'm wondering if there isn't room for us to do a better job of thinking strategically about how we would like for um, the city and this the the partnership to engage and in what activities outside of the um, great events that you help put on so you know is there more room for us to think about the ideas together about how to sustain um, the organization or sustain the activities of the organization um, is there a better way for us to be thinking more strategically about uh, these 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 action and vision plans that might be something that we as a city can support and be a part of creating. Um, and maybe this is a great topic for us as we're moving into our goal setting sessions for us to kind of consider what we as a council would like to help to shape for that to happen. And so I guess one of the things that would be super helpful for me and I know for other council members here too on the dais is we're making those considerations for the future. Um, fleshing out these ideas with that are in your objectives a little bit more might be helpful to us um, in providing us with some uh, ideas, some meatier ideas that you can bring to us um, ahead of time. It doesn't have to be in a formal fashion. It can certainly be in a memo form or send us an email um, and so that we have some things that you would like for us to consider or ideas since you, you spend a lot of time knee deep in this, right? You're spending all of your days knee deep in the ideas and the things that you'd like to do. And I am sure that Xander has a wish list that if he had a million dollars to put into downtown activities, which I'm certainly not saying that I want to put a million, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that, you know, we all have our million dollar wish list, right? That if we had a million dollars, this is what we would do with it. We know exactly how we spend it right away. So, um, you know, if, if you have that wish list, that's super helpful to us to know. So as we're making our plans and sifting through what it is that we want to accomplish in the next couple of years as a council, we can make those considerations. So. Councilmember Kyles. I kind of hesitated to speak just because I, I guess um, I don't want to um, put words into your mouth. And so um, I can only relate my experiences as a, a former uh, board member and the vision that I saw um, you all fostering or, or, or trying to lead uh, moving forward. Um, obviously the metrics and the numbers are always critical and important as a, as a governing body. We have to got to talk about the money if you don't make money, talk about what, what they say, don't talk, make money, don't talk, make sense, something like that. But the reality is uh, one of the things that I see is this opportunity and the separator is the opportunity to really communicate the issues that happen from downtown business owners because that's something that 
while VCC does and EDC does, um, as far as engagement or promotion, to have to share the the experiences that occur on an every um, everyday basis is important. The second major um, point that I've always seen you all is is being able to help drive dollars, because right now the summer months is are, is tough downtown, and People go on vacation and do all types of things without the student base. Um, really missed, you know, the economics, money. And so being able to have the events that you're having and hosting are critical and important because they drive dollars and drive people to spend time downtown. And so those are a couple of things that I, that I saw that you all do that brings value and a strong downtown, everybody knows is a strong downtown, um, helps um, foster a strong city. So uh, thank you for the presentation. Look forward to um, the things that we'll talk in the, in the near future. But did want to bring that experience out and say thank you. Anyone else? Councilmember Shannon. Um, so just briefly, like, thank you for the presentation. And I want to... Um, uh, take off on um, Councilmember Beck's comments. Um, one of our existing goals, one that I hope is renewed, is that of incremental development. And one of the nice things that nonprofits can do is they can be a little bit um, experimental. They can be a little bit playful um, and, and try new ideas and see what works. And I like the fact that um, you can do these small events, do the metrics on them, see how they work, um, and come back, um, refine those, look for improvements, and do them again and again and again. I would like to see, um, I'd love to see if there are ways, sure, we all have a wish list of what we could do if we had millions of dollars. I sure do. Um, but what if we only have a small amount? What can we do to just try out an idea? Um, are there ways, for example, on hot summer days um, that we're doing Friday Night Live, are there ways that we can implement shade? And can we see, does that bring more people to various seating areas? Um, are there ways that we can put colorful displays on the edges of downtown um, to places that aren't seeing much traffic? And can we look and is that bringing more foot traffic? Is that bringing more customers? If we have, you know, a temporary sculpture or a cool uh, picture or something that kind of draws the eye, that makes people think, oh, there's cool stuff down this way. So I just, um, I'd love to have millions of dollars to put into this. But since we don't, I would love to see what small incremental ideas that we can do and then build on the ones that work. And um, I, I see that as a great role for nonprofits. The one I work for does that same thing. So um, I appreciate the work you're doing. Thanks for the presentation. Anyone else? Um, as I, you know, as I think about this, I think in some ways it's a little bit fraught because you have the city as a funder and you have the businesses as a funder. So you're walking that line um, and I think as that funding shifts, which is beginning to happen, 
in my opinion, the businesses get more control over the organization, and rightfully so. They should have a say. But while we continue to be the 800-pound gorilla in the room, I think it matters as well what the city's input is. And so I would encourage you to continue to seek that input. Um, I know you have a separate board, and we've got a board member who is appointed that is there. But I, I think it's important that we continue to be partners in this organization because ultimately, um, you know, we've, we've got a bigger picture, I think, sometimes that is beyond CCP range, and it's important to continue to have those discussions. Um, I also think uh, the comments about some metrics are really good ones. And I, I know that ECU, is that what we're calling them now? Experience <laughs> Champaign-Urbana, um, has a calculator that they use for events that gives them output dollars of, I mean, it's not to the penny, right? But they're able to say, Illinois Marathon brings in X number of dollars based on number of nights stayed in hotels or what, you know, restaurants or whatever it is. I feel like talking with them, you could get your hands around similar kinds of metrics and it would be helpful to know. I mean, I love Parade of Lights. It's one of my favorite things. But is it doing what we want it to do? Is it is it elevating our businesses and and giving them an opportunity to make some money in the you know coldest parts of the winter, or or is it um, you know more work for public works and our officers on the street and. Um, and then everybody goes home. I don't. I, I mean, I can guess that it's impacting the businesses, but we don't. We don't have any metrics around that. Um, so it would be really helpful, and I think that's a great idea. Um, and I and I think that would be helpful. I also would encourage you to just have additional conversations, and whether that's in conjunction uh, with the city or if that's just you and your businesses, but, you know, you raised the SSA idea. Um, you know, SSAs do a lot of things in addition to funding downtown organizations. They, you know, help to pay for snow being shoveled and clean up garbage and, you know, maybe extra patrol or, you know, security or, or other, I'm, kind of spitballing it, and TJ's nodding, so I must be on the, the right path. But, I mean, I you know, there may be other services that the businesses would think would be helpful, um, and maybe those are some conversations that, you know, could really be led by CCP. You are in a unique space to be able to do that. Um, and... Although we are one organization, I think there may be different conversations in Campus Town and Midtown and Downtown about that because they do have different feels and types of um, constituencies and businesses. Um, 
So I'm glad that you've got a strategic plan in place. I do agree that having, I think more, maybe it's just uh, sort of dumbed down for our, uh, for our purposes, right? You didn't give us every detail of every um, thing that you guys have a strategic plan around, but having more meat on the bones and having us be able to participate and the things that your board feels are important for success excuse me, would be really helpful. Um, because I, you know, we are, we want you guys to succeed. We need you to succeed because that means our businesses are succeeding. Um, and I do want to compliment you because the shift toward additional funding for sponsorships and from businesses is something that we've been kind of harping on for, since I've been on council. And so that's a, that's a great success story. Um, and I know that you all will continue to work um, on some more successes. And I don't think we really have a poll with this one. So thank you for being here. And Jeff, am I turning it over directly to you? Good evening. Thank you, uh, Mayor and Council, for the opportunity to uh, show off a, a new website that we've created uh, called Engage Champaign. My name is Jeff Hamilton. I serve as the communications manager for the city. With me is uh, our city attorney, Tom Yu, and our GIS administrator, Roger Dirks. Um, we're going to kind of put the two study sessions together tonight, uh, a little bit of show and tell and, um, and, a, and an update on the council redistricting uh, process as well. Um, I'm going to start with a, a real quick demonstration of, of the new website platform that we put together uh, called Engage Champagne. And the idea there is that it's a centralized place where we can um, more effectively engage with our residents and ask them to provide input on a variety of topics, uh, whether it's a, a particular thing where we have a survey open and we're trying to gather public input on a particular project, or just uh, a way of making sure that the public always has a, a very easy way of connecting with us, whether it's a question or providing us with feedback on, on different things. The, the website's URL, and the website is not yet live, but it will be engagechampaign.org, O-R-G, and uh, we plan on launching this uh, later this month. Uh, so I'm going to very quickly just kind of give you that sneak peek at the site. Uh, I'm logged in so that we can, we can show it to you here, but this would be the home page. And then we'll be able to have different projects uh, that uh, we're, we're asking for input from our residents on. So we're going to come back to the council redistricting uh, for, for the major part of our discussion today. But down a little bit lower, uh, this is what this website will look like when we launch it later this month. We've got a, uh, you know, a project about the community coalition. And if you click into that project, of course, it's going to want me to log in. My apologies. Um, once you're in a project, 
Uh, you can have a nice banner image at the top. Provide some feedback, some, excuse me, some information about, uh, in this case, the coalition, some helpful links or other information on the side. Um, and then ultimately, we're, with all projects, we're, we're looking for an input opportunity, right? We're looking for some kind of an engagement. So in this case, uh, the equity and engagement department has decided that they're going to do surveys after each one of their coalition meetings. And so uh, they'll be able to take input from residents. Uh, you know, what did you think of this particular topic? Was it interesting to you? Um, and and how, how so? And then they, they've also got another one where they're taking input from residents about future topics, things that they would like, that residents would like to, to see discussed at a future meeting. Another one of the projects I want to show you real quick is the Garden Hills Infrastructure and Strategic Action Plan project. Again, we're providing a lot of information about a, a very detailed long-term project, but a couple of things just to highlight here. On the right-hand side, we've got this timeline going. Again, multiple steps on a project like this, but we can kind of let the public know, you know, kind of where we're at in different stages of a major project like that and make sure that, that people kind of can see a preview of what's coming uh, down the line. In this case, uh, this is managed by our planning department, planning and development, and they've got some different updates of different things that have happened or are happening in the neighborhood. They've got an opportunity here to ask a question. If you have a question about the Garden Hills neighborhood, submit it here. That'll go to the planning department, and then they'll reach out and answer that question. If it's a frequently asked question, they may post the answer right here on the site, and they'll start to build out some FAQs right there on the page for people to see. And then one of the, the nice things about this platform, it does go beyond just surveys and polls, is that it also has this uh, nice mapping tool. Um, and so what they've done here is they, the planning department is asking what kind of areas of, of Garden Hills um, is a point of interest that you might walk to, like a bus stop, a park, the school, those kinds of things. And you can, you can drop a pin over on the map and then start to make notes. Every resident will be able to do that. And so we'll be able to use that information to, to help us to develop, you know, maybe the preferred pathway for future sidewalks in that neighborhood. And then um, I call these our evergreen projects. Uh, C-Click Fix, that's an app that most people are familiar with on your phones. We're promoting that all the time. You don't have to have a phone. You can now do it right here on a computer. Um, that will instantly create a, uh, a notification to Public Works that there's something to be looked at. Uh, questions and answers, if you're not sure, ask it right there. Um, those will come to the city manager's office and we will uh, um, either answer the question or get it to the right people on our staff that can. But the council redistricting is our featured project and uh, we will demonstrate that tonight and, and, and go through that with you. But first, uh, I'd like to turn it over to our city attorney so that he can kind of give you an update of where we are on that project. Thank you, Jeff. Um, I will provide a brief update on where we're at. Um, I want to start with um, the notion in the law that um, the one person, one vote rule, and essentially the, the Constitution protects the rights of citizens to uh, be treated equally in their voting power. And as you know from the first slide, uh, you see there's five council districts in the city of Champaign. Uh, in order to not dilute the strength of any individual voter within a particular district, the law requires that the districts be as nearly equal in population as possible. Next slide. So in this table here, uh, you'll see that in 2010, the U.S. Census reported uh, the populations of the five districts as relatively roughly equal. 
the total population was just about 81,000 residents. And you'll see that the difference between the largest district and the smallest one is roughly 500 residents, so roughly equal in size. Um, based on the 2020 census, you'll see that the population increased over 7,000 residents. And those residents didn't, um, weren't equally divided among each district, as you can see. Um, the difference now between the largest district and the smallest one is close to 3,000 residents. Uh, based on that, um, we're going to go through a process known as redistricting to equalize the population. Next slide. Uh, that process is governed by the council policy that was adopted back in March. And I'll go through these very quickly. Um, each of the five districts shall contain the residence of the incumbent district council member. Uh, the plan will be based on the most recent census data available. The district shall be composed of territory that is contiguous and reasonably compact. Any plan should avoid fragmenting or packing racial minority communities. Uh, the plan shall not dilute the strength, the voting strength of any uh, racial minority populations. And then F, uh, importantly, it says council districts shall be as nearly equal in population as possible, utilizing precinct boundaries as a building block of the redistricting. Um, and then the last two on the slide here are that the city staff shall make available to any citizens all the materials showing the precincts and populations in order to formulate options for redistricting. And the last one there is uh, in the policy itself, and it basically says that uh, when the maps are, um, when the city is ready to start uh, uh, receiving map proposals for the new districts, uh, the maps will be uh, the deadline for submitting them will be set at June 30th, 2023. So that date was inserted into the policy initially because we projected that the mapping tools that we were working on as a team would be available to be used by the end of May. And we're beyond that now. Uh, our uh, new date for letting uh, the system go live to create and submit maps is next Wednesday, June 21st. And so we need to come back with an amended policy that just changes the date, um, simply the date. So next slide. So we have a new timeline uh, to implement redistricting. Uh, June 21st, as I mentioned, we'll have online tools available, which we'll demonstrate shortly. Uh, and then we're proposing to change the submission deadline from June 30th to June 19th. Um, We'll come back in August in a study session to review the maps that were submitted. And then in September, we'll have a regular meeting to actually adopt the new council maps. Next slide. Um, so what happened as our team was working on the tools to develop the new um, district maps is that when we use precincts as the building blocks to map uh, we're having a difficult time finding um, options for a variety of maps. Um, anecdotally, we found like five or six uh, maps when you change the precincts uh, from one district to another that met the policy. The, the software that we're using allows us to map all the way down to the level of census blocks. 
and it kind of optimizes the use of the software. And when we were tinkering with that and creating new maps using census blocks, it really allowed us to have more options and get to um, a granular level and, and meet the council policy better. So we wanted to propose to you, since we're changing the policy anyway to move the deadline, for you to consider today changing the policy F from utilizing precinct boundaries to census blocks. I was gonna try to articulate the benefits of going from precincts to census blocks more, but the best way to do that is to show you. So I'm gonna turn it over to Jeff and Roger to demonstrate how the maps are used. Okay, so I'm gonna um, start by demonstrating, uh, opening up this project so you can see what, uh, what it's gonna look like for the public. Uh, and, and as we mentioned, this will, uh, the plan is that we would launch this next week uh, with the whole platform. And so again, this is, this is an input project where we're asking uh, for the public for, to submit a map, but we have to provide them that background information that, that Tom just summarized for you. Um, so we provide that here in a, in a text form on, uh, on the screen. On the, um, the right-hand side there, we're gonna provide links to your, your council actions. We're gonna provide links to written instructions on how to use this mapping tool that Roger's gonna demonstrate for you here in a minute. We're also gonna produce a uh, instructional video, a short video that will be right there so that people can watch that as well to learn how to use the tool. Uh, again, we've got our timeline so that people can figure out where we're at uh, in the project. Um, one of the nice things about this platform is that we can provide project team information. So in this case, we've, we've provided uh, Roger and, and Tom's uh, contact information there so that if they have legal questions, they know to reach our city attorney. And if they did need extra technical support with the mapping tool or had questions about how to make that, they can contact Roger. And then ultimately at the bottom, um, Again, Roger's gonna show you how that mapping tool works, but you're gonna save a file. You're gonna save a mapping file. And then the person, uh, the resident, would submit their map proposal at the bottom. They would provide their, their name, their contact information, so that we can reach out to them in case we had any questions or maybe the, there was a problem with the file that we, we know how to, who to reach. Um, and then they would attach that file, and they would send that to, uh, to the city, and that would get filed with the city clerk, and then um, it would be ready for uh, subsequent review. So I'm gonna go ahead and go back up here to the top. And um, we got the mapping tool right here. And I'm gonna go ahead and turn the, uh, the microphone and the presentation over to Roger Dirks. Thank you, Jeff. I'm going to open the mapping tool, uh, which is days redistricting. So when a submitter goes to engage campaign and clicks on the link, they'll see this. And it, I won't go through all the details about creating an account and things like that tonight in the interest of time. That will be outlined in the documentation and the video, but they'll have a chance to create an account and log in here. And again, just to save time, I'm already logged in. I have a template, which is the current council districts, and then I have one here, which is just a copy of it that uh, just used for editing. So I'm going to go ahead and open that. And, Sometimes it takes a few seconds for the, the map to load. Uh, the, these gaps in the districts will fill in. So here we have the current districts. And just to give you an idea of what we're looking at, uh, here on the left, we have the selectors for each district and the current population. And then we have the, the deviation. So that deviation is actually how far off the district is from the ideal district population based on the 2020 census numbers. That number's 
17,660 people per district. So as you can see, District 1 and District 3 are not, not very far off, but we, we clearly have fairly large difference in District 4 and District 5. Um, as you go over the map and go over the districts, you can see the precinct details, and that's what these, these boxes are. And just, just an interesting point to make about precincts, as you can see, it's very, very easy to see visually, they can vary greatly in size. Um, I, I think this is, this is a little telling. Uh, here in the northwest part of the city, City of Champaign Precinct 17 has a population of, over here on the right, about 4,200, 4,205 people. Now, so if we come here into Campus Town, we can see some of these precincts, this, this precinct in particular, slightly larger, but very similar in population, much smaller area. So, so that gives you an idea of some of the difficulties and challenges that, that Tom mentioned when we were testing the tool, trying to come up with different scenarios using precincts, that, that uh, populations can be similar, but the, the areas can, can vary widely. Uh, again, just to give you a little more idea of what, what you're seeing, some of the, the tools, um, this, this allows you to pan. This is the, the tool that allows you to essentially edit, and you can erase a, a precinct or a block in editing, and that then select different levels of geography here, whether you want to work with precincts or blocks. And there's some various tools here to sort of clean up your map when you're done or mostly done with your edits. Uh, we can also pull up statistics for the district, uh, the various demographics, and then an analysis from several different criteria. Um, one other thing I'll mention, uh, the gray flags, numbered flags, those are the residences of the incumbent council members representing those districts per council policy. They, they must be in the district. So, so in order to help users create maps that would comply with council policy, we have put those in there. But I'm going to uh, give you an idea now of just, just how to edit. And, and this is purely hypothetical. We're, we're not coming here intending to recommend any particular scenarios. This is just, just something that uh, we're doing for purposes of illustration. So again, I pointed out District 4 and District 5 and, and the, the large changes in each of those districts. So, since they border each other, it, it seems like it would be a good place to start by looking at making some changes there. So I'll look at moving some precincts from District 5 to District 4 and see, see, where, that hap or see where that gets us. Um, we can see that District 5 is over by about 1,200 people, and here we have a precinct of 975 people, precinct of 1,500, precinct of almost 2,000. So clicking this precinct, for example, moving it to four, I don't know if you noticed, but the, the population numbers change in real time here as I make changes to the map. It, it's interactive. So that, that got us closer in each district, but th this may not be a desirable configuration in terms of districts. It, it's contiguous, but it, it, it may, may not be as compact as we like. So this sort of shows with, with, sent, with precincts that, again, the tools can be a little, little limiting at times. Um, I'm going to move this back to five. 
but I'll, uh, District District Two is sort of another another case in point. Um, it, if we come up here, we notice it's it's over by about 704 people, which is not bad. But let let's say we wanted to try to get that number a little bit more line. And here, here's a precinct with a population of 803. So we'll move that to four. But but now we have the issue that this is no longer contiguous. We have a gap. So that, that of course, is also not in compliance with council policy. So what we can do to try to work around that as, as an option, just to show you with the, with the blocks, is we can click on the block, and now we can split precincts. And you can see that the individual blocks within that, this particular precinct now display. And I can click on them and start moving them, in this case, from District 5 to District 4. And as I hover on a block, the block details, the population changes, shows you the demographics of the block. But again, as I make changes on the map, the district statistics up here are also changing in real time. So we're able to work on a much more granular level here with blocks. That gives us quite a few more options. So again, we're looking, looking better with our numbers. Uh, we, can, we could still continue to fine tune if we, we so choose, but uh, that, that sort of a, gives you an idea of, of how, how the blocks work. And, and again, as we, we make these sorts of changes, we can come and see our updated statistics. We can do analysis looking at the, the same criteria and I can use my tools to, to do things like, in this case, find unassigned precincts or non-contiguous districts, and I'm, I'm not finding any, but uh, th those tools are, are very helpful in, in detecting any sorts of issues that would need to be corrected in order for the map to comply with the policy. And with, with that, I'll turn it back over to Jeff. So one of the last steps there would be the individual would then save their file and then they would go back into uh, the council redistricting uh, project on Engage Champaign. And like I said before, they go down to the bottom here, submit a map, and they would uh, give us a little bit of their contact information uh, and then they would attach that file. Once they submit that, that would go to the city clerk's office uh, for uh, safekeeping. Um, so kind of, we kind of put our two presentations together tonight uh, to kind of demonstrate not only the new uh, platform that we're uh, proud to launch next uh, week, and as a reminder, that will you know, change over time as new projects come online and, and new opportunities for, for public engagement uh, are added to that. Uh, and I will be overseeing that as uh, in the communications division. Um, and then um, we do have a, I do want to remind council, we do have a poll question tonight on the council redistricting part. And at that, we'd like to turn it back over to council for questions. Technical questions? Councilmember Beck? I have a question about the census block uh, versus the uh, precinct. So I understand the issue of the, the limitations on the number of maps, and I understand how the mapping system itself works. My question is in regards to our communication with the county clerk to find out how the impact on voting would happen. Like, what is that, 
what does that look like for efficiencies of voting and what would we need to do to make sure that voting easily happened for our citizens and there were no kerfluffles? Uh, so I'll start and then Roger can supplement. Uh, he's had some conversations with the county. Um, so I'll start off by saying historically we did rely on precincts uh, because uh, once you know what precinct you're in, you can kind of like figure out very quickly what council district you're in. And so not a lot of uh, research or maneuvering to figure out, you know, where you should be voting. But with the advent of uh, universal polling places now, uh, it's not really as important. And there's also better technology out there to tablet your votes. And so uh, we're seeing a shift that other, you know, states, municipalities are um, going to census blocks because you can make more granular changes. And this software is used nationwide because all of the data is uh, input there uh, for every state, every municipality, like live, like interactively. And as you saw Roger moving his cursor around, I mean, the numbers were shifting as he's sliding over the windows. I mean, it's amazing. Um, so um, to me, it's more efficient to go to census blocks. Uh, we can get more equal populations. We can protect voters' rights the way that uh, the Constitution would like. Uh, I think precincts was a product of maybe not having this technology available and relying upon, well, we know what the precincts are, so let's just use those as boundaries for districts. We don't have to rely upon that going forward. And I think one of the challenges for me was to modernize the way that we look at things in our department and for the city in general. And so as we were using this and we're like, we're being so limited by just this one rule. And if we change it, we can get a lot more changes that to give the council flexibility to review all these different kind of maps and pick the best one. Uh, when we did the exercise under precincts, we could only find five or six that met the policy. That's it. And that's reminiscent of 10 years ago when only four maps were proposed. Um, and so uh, I don't think we have to stick to the way we did things if we have good reason to change it and we have better technology to move forward with. Um, and, and by the way, uh, Roger didn't uh, do this exercise with uh, the, the software, but you don't have to use just precincts or just blocks. You can mix and match, which is a wonderful thing. So if you want to rely pretty much on the way things were and just rely on precinct boundaries, great. But if you have an area where it's hard to equalize, you can go down and drill down to blocks. That's a wonderful new advent of technology that we have using GIS software. And so Roger's a GIS administrator. He, he loves this tool. And, um, and I'm kind of sold. Like, let's try it. It goes back to uh, Councilmember Shannon's point earlier. You know, we, we think of new ideas, we try it, and we take the good from the bad. And so, to me, I think it would be a lost opportunity not to use something that's optimized to help us uh, and just, we're going to artificially limit ourselves to precincts, I think, for no good reason. So, that's why we're bringing it forward. We're ready to go live um, next week either way, uh, but we would like to try census blocks. Anybody else? Councilmember Gladney? Oh, go ahead. 
Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Um, I, I was just going to add, we, we work very closely with the Champaign County GIS Consortium, so we're e easily able to give them this data that they'd be able to work with. Um, I, I did have some discussions with them about the county's redistricting process and precincts versus blocks, and they opted to not go with precincts. So the county board districts, that some of them do split precincts, so they, they are based more on blocks. Um, we also did some research looking at other similar municipalities uh, in, in the state, because we're trying to keep, keep the same set of statutes that, that would apply to us. And I think we believe, I, I believe we found only Bloomington followed precincts, as I, as I, as I recall. But uh, other cities like Peoria did not. And Yeah, yeah. so I'll just add that um, in a lot of instances where people are starting off with precincts, they end up splitting precincts. And so we don't have that option if we stick to the current policy. Uh, we do if we use census blocks or mix and match with census blocks. Um, one other point I failed to address was the messaging. Um, so we have to finish all this before the 2025 April election. And realistically, uh, November before that filing deadline. We need to have this all in place. But if we have it in place this year, we have like a year lead time to message and to uh, be able to explain, you used to live in Council District 5 and now you're in 4 and here's what happened. So by the time that the election rolls around and people are registering, uh, they'll have plenty of time to get up to speed. It's not like we're doing this right before the election. We're, we would never do that. Um, so that's another issue I wanted to address. Councilmember Gladney. Thanks. So just to make sure I'm clear on the dates, because I know it looks like we've changed some actually within the material, but June, July 19th is the submission deadline? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, Councilmember Gladney, our uh, objective is once Council adopts the policy, the final policy, next Tuesday, then Wednesday, uh, Jeff and Roger would turn it on, it would be live, and then we'd have roughly 30 days for users to try this probably contact Roger with questions and hiccups and you know technical issues. And then uh, 30 days, turn it off, have the maps be uh, analyzed by Roger to make sure that they meet the policy, and we'll come back in August to present them to the council. That's gonna be my next question. So August 22nd is down here as a date for our study session to review the map submission. So that, you sort of answered one of my questions is, if, if 20 maps were submitted, would 20 go on that um, agenda? Or it sounds like though you would actually review them and make sure they meet uh, the, the criteria. Yes, that is correct. Okay, and so then, because I've not been on council when this happened before, so I'm a little uh, making sure I understand. So on, on the 22nd of August, um, we would just then publicly kind of hash out the, the maps that made it through uh, and would we on that night do a straw poll vote and decide on one? Because I see the next meeting we have about this is not until September 19th at a regular council meeting. So what happens on August 22nd exactly? Yeah, um, so I'll explain and then the mayor can also chime in. Um, so we would go through each of the maps that meet the criteria. Uh, the ones that don't, either we wouldn't show them to you or we would show you why they don't meet the criteria. Uh, and then we would go through the pros and cons of the maps and you, the council would sort of uh, do a straw poll on the maps that they think best meet the criteria. It'd be a full-fledged discussion. Um, and then 
like any other poll question, when you determine which map is the best, um, then that one would be the one we bring back in a council bill adopting the new map uh, in September. Now, if, if um, at any point we're going too fast, we can just amend the policy and give us more time uh, because we have over a year to finalize this. So let's say we get 200 maps and there's no way Roger can get that analyzed within a month, then we would come back to you with the council bill asking to push those dates, dates back, uh, you know, a reasonable period for us to review them. And then if we went to council in the study session to review the maps and you couldn't come to consensus, then we could take some more time before we actually select the map. Thank you. I think, Jeff, you, you were the one that talked about the what people do when they submit it, like what the information they enter in about. Could you repeat that, please? Sure. So we're asking for their name, phone number, email. I believe address was an option. You don't have to provide your address. But we are asking for your phone number and email so that um, we can reach out to you in case we had a problem with the file or a problem. And then, of course, they would attach that file. So address is not going to be required? Currently, it's... It's an optional field. We could make it required. Um, so my question about that is, so could someone from Urbana or Rantoul or Ann Arbor, Michigan, submit uh, a map proposal? Yes. And, yes. It, and this, it would have to be looked at and reviewed, and if it meets the criteria, then it would come before us. This is a worldwide website, so uh, submissions could be received from anywhere. Um, and, you know, if... if how council chooses to um, uh, factor that in would be up to you. Sure. Well, this is question time. All right, I'll leave that. Thank you. <clears throat> Member Shannon. Um, so I want to clarify. I, I have two questions. I want to clarify. Um, did you say that at the county board level they are already splitting precincts? That's what our research indicated. Okay, yes. so we already know that the county clerk is, it, that this is happening in elections, and so we shouldn't have to worry about it because it's, it, they're already going to have to take this on, so that's all good. Th that's our belief, yes. Okay, okay, so that's good. Um, the other question I had um, talking about precinct versus census block is if we were at some point to request a... Um, can't remember the technical term, but a re-census um, because we know that a lot of university students weren't necessarily counted in the last census. Um, uh, my understanding is that it would be better to be at the census block level rather than precincts because if it's at precinct level and we have to rejigger the precincts because of the redoing of the census, then we would be out of compliance and we would be forced to redistrict regardless of whether the new census showed that we were roughly equal or not. Is that correct? Um, I'm not sure that we'd be forced to do uh, redistricting again, but um, um, as you were saying earlier, uh, many municipalities are already splitting precincts. Yes. And in fact, the city of Champaign has. Um, there is uh, County Precinct 10, which is split, that was done 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and so under the current policy, we really wouldn't be able to do that. So that's why we're advocating for uh, the change in the policy to reflect uh, what we're already doing and gotcha. what, what the county is already doing. Mm -hmm. um, if there was a special census, then 
Uh, and it showed that the population numbers for City of Champaign were different than in the current table that was shown today, that was shown today, um, and they were not equal, then we'd want to redistrict. Right. We want to make them equal again. Yes. So whether or not it's by precinct lines or census blocks, um, if those precinct lines changed, I don't know that we have to because our lines are our lines. Um, we're just trying to stay consistent with the precinct with the precincts for now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, to your point, if we had census blocks, then we're even less tied to what the county is doing and their precinct lines. Okay, great. Thank you. Councilmember Beck, did you have something? Yeah, I just wanted to clarify. Um, so from Councilmember Gladney's question, the policy does not indicate that someone needs to be a Champaign resident That's correct. in order to submit a map, correct? That's correct. And I watched the council meeting um, in which the policy was discussed and considered, and it was an issue that was discussed, and ultimately the council chose not to make that a criteria. Councilman Fulmer, did you have your hand up earlier? No. Anyone else? I had a question about the maps that are getting submitted. And so my question is, could they be posted in real time so that if people come to the website to, to want to try playing with this and create a map, they could see the maps that have already been submitted and created? Uh, so we discussed this uh, a little bit in, in our team meetings and preparing the tools. And um, at the moment, we were leaning towards not having that option available. Um, I guess there's there's reasons for that. In We don't want someone looking at other maps to influence what they're going to do next. Uh, we just want them to create the maps and submit them. And so we didn't want to have a queue where everyone could see what's already been submitted. Um, so that was that was our thinking at this point. What are we afraid of? Um, not that we're afraid of anything. It's just we thought that if we had um, a window or a portal where you could see what others have submitted at that point, um, then it could create a situation where people are um, starting from those other maps and then creating another, I don't know, dozen maps off of that as opposed to just submitting their best map. So that was our thinking at this point. Are we limiting people to one map? No, there's no limitation. So they still could do that. They could create one on their own and then do a dozen off of it, correct? Right. But I guess um, sort of like when council receives information in their packets, you get it on the Thursday or Friday before the meeting, and then it's presented. And so we took that same approach with these maps that people would try the maps, submit them, and then they'd be reviewed at the same time by council, as opposed to others having a a take or view at it. And I guess I'm looking at it as somebody might create the perfect map, so why am I going to spend four hours trying to mess around with this tool, which is fascinating, by the way. So I might spend 20 hours playing with it. But, I mean, if we can see what other people have created, it may negate the need to have 120 maps submitted. And, Mayor, um, that issue isn't in the policy, so uh, we can ask Roger to work on that. Uh, I don't know that uh, it was a feature that he played with at all, 
but certainly if that's what council desires, uh, we could do that. Well, and that's something I think council needs to weigh in on. That's not just up to me. Um, the other thing is, is it possible to ask for city and state as opposed to address? Certainly, we can make that change. Okay. Um, any other technical questions? Anyone in the audience wish to address this? Please step forward, state your name and city of residence. Please limit your comments to five minutes or less. John Roma, city of Champaign for 40 plus years. Um, I'm wearing a couple hats tonight. I'm wearing a hat as a IT person for the University of Illinois for most of my adult life. And I'm also wearing my hat as an election judge occasionally. Um, I worked the consolidated election in April and it was like doing it all over again from scratch because everything had changed. The technology had changed. This universal voting, the voting centers, I think it's a wonderful thing to allow it to be very easy for every eligible voter to do so. Um, as to the question about precincts versus blocks, I think ideally blocks give you the flexibility that you really need. I do have lingering questions um, about the county clerk's capacity to handle subdivisions because in the folder on our laptops at the polling place, we have one ballot for each precinct. And if we're going to subdivide that, we need to be really sure that the county can handle that. And that's kind of the kind of thing that can be a showstopper. Um, the other point I want to bring is as an IT person, I have, had, I have extensive experience with open source software, like the Linux operating system and many others that I won't bore you with the details. Benefit to the city, among other things, is that the city doesn't have to pay for this. Second benefit is that anybody can contribute enhancements to the software and the larger community can benefit from that. And then the third part means that the process, the algorithm by which uh, these things are calculated is available for the public to inspect. I don't necessarily expect somebody in this nonpartisan council to be gaming the system, but if you think about the larger issues statewide and nationalwide, you hear about gerrymandering and all that. And I think, it's, I think the city is doing the right thing by using software to do this, but I think the public needs to be in a position to inspect what's being done and take part in what is, after all, their constitutional right to be represented proportionally. Um, as to the point about contributing enhancements to the software to be shared with others, as the discussion developed about submitting maps and having other voters review them, uh, that kind of defeats, you know, not, not being able to see other people's maps kind of defeats the collaborative nature that is part of open source software. So that's something that you, you all will have to think about. Um, I can see pros and cons either way. I don't want to second guess the city staff who's worked on this uh, quite hard, no doubt. This is fascinating. I think this is the future. Um, it will be difficult for people who don't have a technical background to wrap their minds around how this process works, but I think those who choose to engage will find that um, they're, they're taking part in the process that is very critical. When you hear about, again, voters being denied equal access to the polls, uh, you hear about people doubting the integrity of elections. As an election judge, I, I take umbrage in that and because I know what we have to go through, but I'd like more people to see that and take part in the process. Thank you. Thank you. Councilmember Gladney. Thank you. I do have one quick follow-up question before my comments. Mayor Feiner brought this to my mind. So when people go to this website to start drafting a, um, district maps, 
will the current district map layout be there and then they kind of manipulate that or will this be completely blank? They will see the, the template we have, which is the current council districts, and that's the, the starting point for their own edits. Mm. Okay, thank you. So first, thank you for the presentation, and I think this will be interesting. Um, I, I am in favor of allowing people to see previously submitted maps. I mean, <laughs> not to blow this up too big, but you know, in general, in life, innovations typically occur because one thing builds on another. So... Um, I mean, that's just how things happen. Uh, so I, I, I think you can see some positive things come from people maybe building upon somebody else's map and maybe making it, tweaking it, maybe making it a little better. Or making it, maybe not. I don't know. But I'm in favor of people being able to see that, particularly if we're already going to start with the current um, district map. Um, and so the other comment I have is about um, residency. Um, so there's a part of me that thinks probably the vast majority of people um, in this world, in this country, and probably even in this area are not even going to know about or care about redistricting in the city of Champaign, and we'll probably get a handful of submissions. That's probably how it's going to roll. That said, I just have a few concerns about someone from even next door in Urbana, uh, you know, submitting a district map for, for the city of Champaign. Uh, maybe I shouldn't, maybe that's weird on my part, but um, I, think if, I think we should ask for maybe not address, but, you know, like Mayor Finance said, city, city and state. You know, um, I, I just think that makes sense. I mean, I guess you, I could see, though, where objectively someone from Urbana or Indianapolis or L.A., or, or Fithian <laughs> could submit an objectively really good map for us and we'd be foolish to not adopt it. I guess I could see that happening. There's still a part of me, though, that would prefer that whatever district map that we adopt comes from somebody who resides in Champaign. I don't know. Like I said, that may, no one else may agree, but those are just my thoughts on that. Thank you. Anybody else? Councilmember Shannon? Um, so to build on Councilmember Gladney's comments, like I wouldn't necessarily reject out of hand a map that came from somebody outside of our city, but I might look at it with a little bit more suspicion. Um, I could totally see, given the current political climate, um, people, some activist website deciding that, hey, we should submit a thousand maps to Champaign, Illinois to gum up their process. I don't think that's going to happen, but if it does happen, or if we do get a really drastically different map from what we're looking for, it'd be helpful information to say, hey, this person doesn't actually live here, and they don't really have the same kind of stake in the process as we do. So I wouldn't reject out of hand. I wouldn't require in the policy that it come from someone in Champaign, but I, I think that would be useful information to have, honestly. Um, and I also want to say thank you for the presentation. This looks so cool, and I cannot wait to start playing with it. Councilmember Falmer. Thank you, Your Honor. Uh, thank you all for your work. Um, I, too, am excited to, to play with this. Um, so uh, similar to Councilmember Shannon's uh, remarks, I, I don't know that I would uh, immediately reject someone from 
Champagne who submitted something. Um, however, it is helpful to understand uh, kind of their background and where they're coming from. So uh, knowing whether they are from Champagne could perhaps be useful. Um, but, but like I said, I, I don't know, uh, as, as Council Member Shannon stated, uh, I don't know that I would necessarily reject it simply because they're not here. It's just helpful to understand where someone is coming from. Um, it, with respect to posting maps, uh, I'll be honest, I'm kind of waffling. I, I'm kind of struggling to, to think about it. I, I think, I think there could be positives and negatives. I, I don't know. You know, if we're posting them uh, as they're coming in, does that generate more uh, social media interest? Do people start arguing because of this, that, or the other thing? I don't really think that's going to happen. However, like, is that a thing that we need to think about or be be worried about? I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think my council members are laughing at my underestimation of our community. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I really, I, I think I could probably go either way, though I right now would, would probably lean towards not posting the maps ahead of time. Um, but uh, perhaps I could, could be convinced otherwise. I, I don't know. I have chocolate. <laughs> Kidding. Uh, anybody else have comments? Um, I just had a couple. So um, I think uh, I want to just say the engaged champagne piece, which is sort of lost in the bigger discussion about maps is fantastic and thank you so much for your work on that and I am so excited for our residents to get to interact with us in new and different ways and for us to gather that information and be able to serve them better so that it's it's fantastic so thank you that's it's really good um, I was thinking about the ballot issue and I mean we do have universal polling places, but also I'm wondering, and this is a county clerk question, I mean, you put your voter ID or your social security number or part of it into their website and it pulls up your exact ballot. And so I, I've got to believe that in the day of universal ballots, and it sounds like county board is doing the splitting anyway, so I am comfortable with the census block um, to give us a little bit more wiggle room and trying to figure things out. Um, I actually, this discussion has been fascinating because it made me think, I wonder if we'll even really have precincts going forward in the future. Like, will we, will we even really need them? There's sort of a construct of, I need to go to this place in my neighborhood to vote, and that's not going to exist anymore. Um, or it doesn't exist right now. Um, so it's, it's kind of fun. I mean, I've done this, I think, three times over the course of my public service career, once with the county and once with the city and now with the city again. And the technology just keeps getting better and better. I mean, I can remember... Marcy and Vic wrangling over paper maps and <laughs> you know now we look where we are um, I think it's also really important to just say what I have found 
particularly in my time on council, is that district council members tend to work together and it's it's this is not some big contentious controversial crazy thing um, for the most part the public hasn't been engaged they may be now because we've got this really cool tool that you all are presenting them with but um, you know we have a policy that requires us to keep incumbents in districts we're not you know drawing lines around people's houses and trying to get rid of them or doing crazy things what we're trying to do is preserve the rights of voters as allowed by the constitution and the voting rights act if it still exists I'm, <laughs> i don't know um but <laughs> but um you know making sure that we balance and what a cool tool that we can look at the different census tracts and really see the drill down into the data um and i really feel like it's an opportunity it is um i know we're worried about in this day and age that terrible things could happen that hasn't been my experience and you know it's really about just kind of fixing issues that we have seen um, over time so I'll throw one out for example wouldn't it be nice if Garden Hills was all in one district so you know there are um, there are opportunities to look at this um, and maybe neighborhoods in some ways are more important than precincts. And I think our experience will inform that. And I, I think that we're going to be happy where we land. And my guess is we're not going to have dramatically more maps than we've had in the past. And I think actually last time city staff provided one as well. I think maybe legal did. Um, probably because Fred wanted to play with the mapping tool. So um, so I think the, um, the poll question was about the census block issue. Um, I don't know if anybody else wants to weigh in on the sub making the maps live as they're submitted, because right now we certainly don't have five that are saying that. So. Nobody else wants to weigh in. That's just something you can ignore. Um, and then we, so it's direct staff to adopt a revised council policy utilizing census blocks as the building blocks for redistricting. Kathy Shannon. Yes. 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 And yes, you have direction. Thank you. Um, and now I've shut my book what yep audience participation on general topics john if you have anything else you want to say to us you get another five minutes um any council comments mm -hmm. council member kyle deputy oh, mayor Kyle. i want thank you madam mayor um you know i often say my uh therapy is in christ and the work that we do together and i wanted to offer a couple of words from what happened uh, last week uh, and I guess it's the beginning of many things that we'll end up doing. Um, tonight, um, and these are just some reflections, I stand before you not as a victim, but as someone in deep reflection. I am here because a random bullet missed me by a mere feet. Its journey abruptly halted in the safe confines of my living room. 
This is not a tale of my survival, rather it's a stark reminder of the impermanence of life, a life that could change irrevocably in a heartbeat. And I'm thankful to God to be here as well as my family. Yet as I reflect, I am prayerful and still grounded in the belief that God is still in control and that our work collectively together in this city is not in vain and is still powerful. I still build, believe in this community, and while I am disappointed, of course, anyone that knows me sees those that I see opportunities. I see the potential for change, and I see the capacity for introspection that can lead us all to a safer, more connected, and more harmonious community. Events like the one that marked this week, often be weekend, often begin with the best of intentions, a chance to connect, to enjoy, to let go. But we have to ask ourselves at what cost? When the echoes of laughter and music are drowned by screams of panic and the wails of sirens, when the joy of connection turns into the dread of the aftermath, it is time for us to reconsider. I like to reach out to those who organize these type of events, or at least those who know the organizers, to just reflect. I invite you to reflect on the repercussions of a night going wrong, the price paid by attendees, local businesses, and the community at large, like the seniors who sees in fear, the mothers who will never see their children again, and the neighbors who have more questions than answers. Reflect upon your role as conveners of our collective experiences, and how can you change that narrative? To the ones who attend these events, who seek the freedom and enjoyment that these events promise, I implore you to think, to consider your responsibility, not just to yourselves, but to your friends, your families, and community, because every choice you make, every action you take, has ripple effects that reach far beyond the immediate. What if we shifted this narrative? What if we turned these gatherings into beacons of positive change, opportunities for constructive dialogue, platforms for communal growth? Imagine an event where safety doesn't have to be sacrificed for enjoyment, where respect for our neighbors doesn't dampen the spirit of celebration, where unity isn't just a concept, but a lived reality. Personally, I ask that I discourage anyone from attending these events. I would say for us to less engage in meaningful dialogue, share our perspectives and find some common ground. Let's challenge each other not in a battle of wills, young versus old, but in a shared quest for a safer, more harmonious community. I am reminded, lastly, that we are not victims of our circumstances. We are the authors of our narrative. Let's rewrite the story where our triumphs overshadow our trials, where our shared successes drown the echoes of past failures. This isn't just about surviving, it's, to th it's about thriving. And I still believe that together we can make a difference. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Deputy City Manager, do you have anything? I have nothing, Your Honor. Madam Mayor, I move we adjourn. Second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed, same sign. Motion carries. We are adjourned.